Good morning, everyone. It was great to be here with you this whole weekend, and uh, Brother Rick had much more to do than just make the coffee. He was my contact through this whole thing, and I'm very grateful for the organization that he helped uh, with us, and it was, it was really, a, truly a joint effort. That's what we hope for uh, at CMML when we put on these conferences around the, uh, the country, that the assembly that's hosting the meeting would catch the vision of what we're trying to do, and that, I feel, is exactly what happened here. And it made my job way easier and made more, way more enjoyable than it, it sometimes can be. And we were just grateful to see and to hear of all those that prayed for such a long time and that organized things and got everything together. There was none of this stress when we walked in the door. It was wonderful. So we really did enjoy being here. Just a quick word on, on Christian missions in many lands. The goal that we have is to serve those who are serving the Lord in other countries. Uh, there's, as Tom Clark so boldly said yesterday, everyone is a missionary. And just because you're in this country, that doesn't mean you are not a missionary. But there is a special set of needs for those who are serving in non-United States countries. There's a lot of different rules, a lot of different loopholes you have to jump through. And that's why CMML was created, to help those people and to connect us here with those people. And I wanted to continue on the, the same basic ideas of what we were talking about at the conference uh, to let you know a little bit about what God is doing in the world and to talk some more about how we can surrender our lives and serve our master. I thought it was so appropriate, this last song we sang. And to be honest, I never we never sing this song back east, and I wish we did. We have the same books in most of our meetings, but uh, the, the chorus, then my soul shall fear no ill. Let him lead me where he will. I will go without a murmur, and his footsteps follow still. Uh, the whole idea that we can go and we can happily serve the Lord wherever he may call us. And I think we shudder at that thought, uh, he may call us somewhere awful, and he may, but um, <laughs> but his footsteps follow still. We were talking yesterday at the end, we had dinner at the Markleys, all the, the CMML gang, I guess you want to call them, and Micah and Amy were there talking about times they spent in missionary conventions with, with other denominations and how they had dinner with a, a missionary couple who hated Peru, and they didn't understand why they were there. They had put in a request to go to Hawaii, so you can see where their mentality was. But that is not how God calls us or how we should react to God's call, uh, to go without a murmur, for we know that he'll lead us and guide us and we'll make where we are the best as we serve him. If you could turn with me to Matthew 16. Uh, Matthew 16, and I really didn't know exactly what to share this morning, simply because how do you follow up and act like Micah Tuttle, and then have to be followed by Bob Dad, which you'll hear tonight, he's a quite good speaker too, and, and here I am, Craig Fritchie, right in the middle, but the Lord really has put a burden on my heart to let people know what God is doing, and to help you figure out how to get involved in what God is doing. And, and so that's what I want to share with you today. Uh, let's just read Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. 
When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, "What do men say? Uh, what, who do men say that I am? That I, the Son of Man, am?" And some said, "Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets." But he said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" And Simon Peter answered and said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on earth, and whatever you bind in heaven will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in earth. And he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that, that this shall not happen to you. But he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever desires to lose his life for my sake will find it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be here this morning. We ask that you... Through your word, teach us something. And as we share of what you're doing around the world and how we can help, that it might inspire hearts and challenge hearts, that you might touch individuals' lives and give them a burden for what you call them to do. And may they be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see in this passage, Jesus is asking the disciples, you know, who do you, you think I am? And Peter, in his boldness, answers the correct and proper response. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes on to explain to Peter that through Peter, the church will begin to be established. But the phrase I'd like to stay on is, I, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, the Catholics love this passage. This is where they get the idea of the Pope from about Peter having the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But if we look at what happens with Peter here, we're seeing, I'd like to, to argue that the focus isn't necessarily on Peter, but on that phrase, I will build my church. Christ is building his church. Look at the next passage, starting at verse 21. He, Jesus is telling them about his passion, about how he will suffer and bleed and die, about what we just remembered this morning. And, and Peter says, Jesus, you're not doing this. Lord, no, 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 you're not going to die. He rebuked him. And and. Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. And so while Peter understood truth, he was still a fallible human being that made terrible errors in judgment. And I think we can look at ourselves the same way, that while we have declared Jesus Christ as the son of the living God and received him into our lives, we at times don't mind the things of God. We mind the things of men. And we get off track, and the Lord has to rebuke us. But what Jesus is looking for in each of us is the same thing that Tom discussed yesterday, and it's verse 24 and 25. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
You see, the Lord can use any of us, just like he used Peter. And we find so many times in Scripture, Peter's the great example of failure and redemption. And the same is true in our lives. If we are willing to deny ourselves and allow Christ to lead us wherever he may take us, to deny our own desires, deny ourselves, deny our hopes and our dreams, and let him lead, he will put the right hope and the right dream inside of your heart, and it will be his glory. And he'll lead you in great places. Thinking of all the things that Peter did for our Lord, it's amazing that he could take someone that was so stubborn and so selfish and so prideful and turn him into a great worker for him. He can do the same in our lives. But Christ is building the church. Not you, not me, not Peter, but Christ is building the church. And if we are humble, we can come along and be with him. You see, whoops, huh, there we go. God is building his church today. We know this. He is building his church today. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about what he's doing to build that church because it's exciting that he is using individuals like Peter and like you and like me to build this church. It's not the, the holiest of all. We are all the same kind of holy as we learned yesterday. We are all one in Christ, bought with the same blood, risen to life the same way. We have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit in each of us. And Christ is building his church and the gates of hell aren't going to go against it. You know, we look around in our society today and it looks like the gates of hell are advancing quite quickly. We look around and we see a lot of false teaching within evangelical Christendom. We see a lot of false teaching in our society, school system, and entertainment, and everything. And it's, it's pretty discouraging. But God is building his church, and he's building it in a lot of other places besides the North American continent. You see... It's like it says in, in Revelation. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scrolls and to open its seals, for you were slain and you redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, every tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to God and we shall reign on the earth. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation is hearing the gospel today like never before. A few little brief statistics. Did... The underground church in the 1040 window, which is the kind of the Middle East section where the Muslim world is, there's multitudes being saved on a daily basis that nobody knows about. Did you know that in China, the, gospel, the government's stopping fighting against Christianity because they can't stop it? In Africa, that was the dark continent for hundreds of years. It's now a place where the light of the gospel is shining and the culture is changing. We're going to talk about these in a few seconds. And in South America, where Catholicism has reigned for a thousand years, at least 500 years, that all these nominal Christians are turning to Christ. In places like Brazil and Argentina, they have almost a thousand assemblies each. And, and there's other groups in there as well that are preaching the gospel. You know, it is a lot different than what we see here in our country but God is working today in amazing ways. Just to share a little bit more, the Middle East, Asia, Africa, South America, these are real believers from our missionaries that have sent us pictures. In South Korea, did you know that 
1900, there was no Protestant church at all in South Korea, not an Anglican church, not a Methodist, nothing. Today, there are over 7,000 churches in the city of Seoul, South Korea alone. And there are more missionaries coming from South Korea than any other country, including the United States and the world. These people are going to, to China, to North Korea, to Indonesia, to all these little countries that if you're an American, you'll get killed maybe going there. But these people look like them. They can go into these places, and they're zealous for the gospel. Did you know, and I was shocked by this, in Africa, the church is growing by 34,000 people per day are coming to the Lord. In Zambia, Zambia is about the size of Texas. Zambia is right here. It's kind of like the assembly jewel of, of the world. The culture in Zambia is completely changed. There's over a thousand assemblies in this little state the size of Texas. In the United States, there's a thousand assemblies. And, and hundreds of Bible studies are going on to start new assemblies that they're just not mature enough to have a meeting yet. But there's amazing things going on. Countries like Angola, Chad, I think Bob Dad talked about Chad yesterday. Chad, Angola, the DR Congo, there's no missionaries in those countries. I mean, maybe one or two. Most were kicked out due to war. But there's one to 2,000 assemblies in each of those countries going on well for the Lord by themselves. They have hospitals, they have schools, all run by believers. God is working around the world. In those few countries alone, there's five, 6,000 assemblies going on well for the Lord. It's amazing to see all these things that are going on, and nobody knows about it because they're in Africa, and we're over here, and we don't really care about Africa. Believers, let's care about Africa. Africa needs Bible teachers. They're all first-generation, second-generation believers. They, they would all be doctorates in theology if they had books, if they had theology books, if they had concordances. They don't have these things. And so pray that the Lord would raise up people that can learn their language and translate good Bible resources into their language. There's a lot of false teaching in those countries because they just can't, they just don't know the truth. A lot of people have only pages of the Bible, but they believe in Christ. God is working in amazing ways. India, India, there are four, who's heard about the, the untouchable caste? The, the caste system in India is quite a, a horrible thing. But there, 14 million have come to know Christ in the untouchable caste. It's not a lot compared to 140 million, but they're gaining ground. If just a, you know, 100 years ago, there were about zero. God is working. And what's so interesting is there's 2,000 assemblies and there's 2,000 assembly workers commended from those 2,000 assemblies to other parts of India. And it's amazing to see how the church in India is taking up their own mantle and saying, we need to reach our people for Christ. You see, the South, most assemblies are down in this area, in the Kerala area. Up here, it's nothing close to being a Christian nation. But that's where these missionaries are going up there and sharing the gospel. And it's amazing to see what God is doing. There's a lot left to do in China. There's a billion people there, a lot in India, a billion people. But God is moving. The Islamic world the Muslim world. We have a missionary, his name is Jerry Maddox. He was kicked out of Turkey for being too good of a missionary. 
and he's now in Cyprus, and God's opened really amazing doors for him in Cyprus. This is him with some international students. He has students from Egypt, Syria, Iran, Iraq. They're coming to Cyprus to the university to study, and it's an open nation where you can preach the gospel on any corner. So people from Egypt, Syria, these countries where if you go in there with the gospel, it's, you're, it's illegal to convert people. But it's free in Cyprus, and God has opened a door for Jerry to be there with his family and share the gospel. And these kids are coming to learn, and they've never heard the gospel in its true form before, ever. And they're at that age. I mean, how many of you are in college right now? High school, college? That's the age when you kind of decide who you're going to be the rest of your life. It's the time when you decide what faith you're going to follow, what path you're going to take, what career, what, what way of life you're going to choose. Pray for these kids. They're hearing the gospel, and many are choosing Christ. You know, in Indonesia, it says that Christians have grown to over 15%, but in a country that is known as an Islamic nation, they won't even print statistics anymore because they're terrified at that 15%. Because it wasn't 15% 10 years ago. And, and so it's a huge concern to them, but it's a huge blessing to us. God is moving in Indonesia. I don't even think about Indonesia because it's so far away. But God is working in amazing ways there. I want to introduce this king of glory. I don't know how many of you know Paul and Carol Bramson. Their son, Nate Bramson, does a lot of preaching around. But Paul and Carol were in Senegal, which is a Muslim nation for many years. And he's written books called One God, One Faith. And he's um, written a book called King of Glory, which is kind of like a graphic novel explaining the Bible so a Muslim can understand it. He's making a video, a movie, a motion picture right now. And it'll be released this coming May. And it's a great tool. The first two scenes are online. You can go to their YouTube site and you can see it. But he's been working on this. And online media and evangelism, through those mechanisms, we have a lot of missionaries who have websites that go into Iran and Turkey and Iraq and different places. And thousands go onto these websites every day. And they're hearing the gospel. My brother's father-in-law has a website. It's just He's not a techie. He just made a website that shares the gospel called Salvation Test. And more people hit it from the Middle East and China and Russia than the rest of the world combined. It's pretty neat what God is doing through online media. You can do it too. It's not that hard. Just find someone, well, it's hard to find someone that speaks Arabic to translate it. But many of these people are learning English too. And they're looking up English websites. The Middle East is an open door it's just not a traditional open door. You can't go in there like you went into Africa 50 years ago and just set up your tent and preach the gospel. But many of you are uh, you're professionals, and there's a need for professionals in the Middle East, especially in the technology industry, and you can go in there under the guise of a job and tell the gospel to people. It's really interesting. You know, in China, there are more, Bob mentioned yesterday, there are more Christians in China than communists, and they can't even count the number of Christians. Uh, I wanted to, to share with you a letter, and I left it at home, but John Short is a missionary to Hong Kong, and I'll talk a little bit more about him later, but he wrote an email to us two days ago, he was three days by now, about how he was part of a, a conference, a Bible conference, a missions conference, like the one we had yesterday, in China. And people from North Korea came, Christians that nobody knows of Christians in North Korea, but they're there. They came to this conference, and from every province 
of China, these believers came together. And he wrote, the singing started out in a hushed whisper, but we couldn't contain ourselves. And eventually it grew and it grew. And we were in behind blocked out windows, but we couldn't contain our singing. And God is working in China and in North Korea. We have people that are in North Korea, and it's, it's amazing to see what God can and will do once that country opens up. Pray for these people. The government can't contain the spread of Christianity there because who is in control of the spread of the gospel? It is not government. It is not missionaries. It's the Lord Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will work in the hearts of people who are hungry for the gospel. Thank God for that. You know, Europe is very in a lot of trouble. Europe's not doing well as far as Christianity is concerned. People have turned to secularism. People have turned to atheism. It's wor we think it's bad here. We're about 50 years behind what it is in Europe. But what we're finding in Europe is a lot of these nations have hit rock bottom. They have no hope. In Spain, they're broken. The economy has crashed. Their families have deteriorated. They don't believe in the Catholic Church anymore. So when trouble comes, they have nothing and nowhere to go. And so the gospel is presented to these people, and they're responding again. Spain was once called a missionary graveyard. Today, it's a harvest field. The same thing is happening in France. People are coming to know the Lord. Immigrants are flooding these nations because they can't withhold their own populations. And so these immigrants are hearing the gospel from Muslim countries and from South America, and they're coming to Christ. There's a new openness to the gospel there. Pray for workers in Europe. There's a great need. You know, what's so interesting is across the planet, uh, the statistician... Uh, his name was Daniel Meyer. He wrote a book called Witness Essentials. And in that book, he says, across the planet, followers of Jesus are increasing by more than 80,000 per day. And there are 510 new churches forming each and every day. It's amazing. Let's pray that that comes over here again. May we have the vision for that again. God is working around the world. Be encouraged. But what can you and I do to be involved in this? You know, we sit here and, and sometimes I can feel helpless. I'm not called to the foreign field. I prayed about it. I, I did short-term mission trips, and, but the Lord called me here to this country. I know it in my heart. But sometimes I feel a bit sad that I can't help people across the world necessarily. Well, thank the Lord for many ways that we can help. And I just want to encourage you, uh, today, I have five different ways that we can help those that are serving the Lord around the world and even within our country to pray, to communicate, to give, to go, and then to care. And we'll just spend the rest of our time talking about this. You know, when we pray, things happen. Do we believe in the power of prayer? James says in chapter 5, verse 16, that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we must grab onto that again, that we must fervently and effectively pray for those that are serving the Lord. Pray for, for the missionary's spiritual health. If we think it is difficult to stay on track with our Bible study and our prayer time and our dedication to the Lord, imagine how it's like in a country where you're the only person that believes these things. You're all alone. You don't have 
brothers and sisters that you can gather together with in fellowship to encourage one another. There's not discovery time in the morning and Wednesday night prayer and Bible study and home group meetings and Sunday night meeting. They, whatever they have with themselves, their family, that's all some of these missionaries have. Pray for the spiritual health of the Lord's workers and pray for their families. A lot of their kids are coming back to the States, especially from Europe, and they're falling away from the Lord. They're going to university and hearing things for the first time, and, and it rocks them. Pray for the children. Pray for the wives as they, a lot of them are homeschooling, that they would instill in them a love for the Lord. Pray for their ministries. We think it's difficult here, and certainly there's a different kind of difficulty here. People don't care here. Over there, they just won't convert. It's just different in every part of the world, but pray for the ministries they're involved in and pray that others would join them. You see, it's so much better to work with two or three people than by yourself. I think we can all agree to that. You know, if we were the only people in Claremont, California, if I was the only person working here, it'd be a lot harder than if I had all of Claremont Bible Chapel here. And so pray for these guys. A lot of them are going into fields where they are alone or there's maybe one other couple with them. Pray for more workers. And most importantly, pray for the souls of those people that they're talking to. God can and will save. And let's pray that he does. I just want to share with you a couple examples of answered prayer. Two right here. The first one I'm going to share with you is, is a story uh, of, of our missionaries in Niger. The work in, in, in Niger started by a prayer meeting, an all-night prayer meeting at CMML one night. They all got together and they prayed all night long. And the Lord sent... Justin Gavain and Jonathan Hayes with Nate Bramson. And now there's a few more going each and every year, and they're praying for 150 in 10 years to go to Niger. It's the only open country in northern Muslim Africa. And from there, they're hoping to go into other countries around the area. But it's a dangerous place. And here's the story. Uh, that they, they were driving in a local area when a mob of protesters attacked their car. And they had fire, and they were going to burn them alive inside this car. And somehow, Nate in his, I guess he was watching Need for Speed or one of those you know, car racing movies, he somehow got out of there. He whipped around, and you can read it on his blog. It's a really interesting story. But what was more interesting than how he got away from these mobbers that were going to burn his car was that when he shared that on Facebook, there were brothers and sisters from all over the country, from Massachusetts to Oregon to Missouri to South Carolina, that, that said, oh my word, at that very time I just had a burden to pray for you. I was in, it was 3.30 in the morning on the East Coast at that time, and, and there were people that were woke up at 3.30 in the morning and just had a burden to pray for the work in Niger and for Nate and Johnny and Justin. And people prayed. And I can't say that that's a coincidence because who wakes up at 3.30 in the morning to pray for someone if it's not the Spirit of God burdening your heart? And what an amazing story of how God's safety happens when we pray. I'm so encouraged that you're going to be having a, the prayer time before the evening meeting because that's how things happen when God's people come together and are broken before the Lord and pray. There's going to be a, a conference of just prayer uh, by set uh, up by... Mike Atwood and Scott DeGroff. It's going to be next May. Pay attention for that. And join us as we pray for revival in North America. 
Another story, John Short, we talked about him earlier. He, I don't know, you might have heard this on CNN or in any of the news, he was arrested in North Korea back in, in February. And I don't know if you know much about being arrested in North Korea. It's not like being arrested in, in North America. You don't really ever, you're never heard from again normally. And nobody but his wife was told that he was arrested and nobody really cared because Australia, where he's commended from, has no diplomatic ties with North Korea at all. But yet, all the service organizations sent out, you know, news alert. John Short has been arrested in North Korea for passing out gospel literature. Pray. And the man was released in less than a month. That's never happened. There are still believers that are in jail for sharing their faith, pastors that have been arrested. He was released in less than a month. God's people pray, and the Lord answers his prayer, their prayer. Be encouraged. 13 days he was arrested. That was it. And God delivered him. That was a miracle. It's not something that happens ever. It was a miracle from the Lord. Be encouraged. Pray. The next thing is to communicate. You see, like I said, it's lonely on the mission field. And each of us have a responsibility to encourage one another. And we love to encourage the people we can see, but we usually forget about those that move away that we don't see anymore. And that's the biggest danger. And I'm sure there's missionaries in this room that can attest to that of how sometimes they were on the field and didn't hear from anyone for months. And it's a lonely thing. I've talked to missionaries who have told me just horror stories of being no one communicating with them for three, four, five months. They need our communication. And what's so cool nowadays is we have Skype, we have FaceTime, we have Google Chat, we've got fa all the social media you want. We've got email, and they, they still deliver letters to people today, believe it or not, <laughs> and packages. And, and you can reach out, go to that missionary prayer handbook and find someone that looks interesting to you and just send them an email of encouragement. Hey, I'm praying for you. Become a friend with them. They may take three months to write back to you because they're not used to someone writing to you, to them, but send it out anyways and try to communicate with these people. A lot of them will respond right away. And, you know, even think about it in your own assembly. I know there's internet connection here, and we have really good technology. In the York meeting in Pennsylvania, we had a conference there a little bit ago. We Skyped with a missionary during the conference, and it was right after the Philippines had their hurricanes and the typhoons that came through, and David Harvey was able to give us up-to-the-minute information of what was going on there in the Philippines and the rebuilding efforts. It was really neat. That assembly also has a girls' group like your girls' group, and they Skype with single women missionaries to, to learn what it's like to be a, a woman on the field. Erin Hayes does that a lot, so if you want to connect with someone, she's a good one in Ecuador to connect with. And these technology opportunities are great. Even elders that I know of, they will meet with their commended missionaries, the ones they've sent out, every month through Skype. And so they can keep in contact with them on a regular basis and pray in the moment. You know, a lot of times we get these prayer letters and we read them, but everything that they've mentioned happened two weeks ago. We don't need that anymore. We've got instant technology. You know, call them up, Skype them, send an email. You can find out and pray today for what they're doing today, and God will work. And then another one that no one likes to talk, to, talk about is giving. You know, there are a lot of missionaries that can't do anything they want to do because no one sends any money to help and they have to get secular jobs, and that takes away from their ministry. 
And there's a lot of work, especially in Africa, that can't be done just because there's no money. And so I encourage you to find, communicate with missionaries, get to know what they're doing, and support what they're doing. You know, it's, it's hard to give to something you have no idea about. But when you're communicating with missionaries, you'll develop a love for them. And you'll be able to actually give where you know it's going to be used properly. But that's not finances. is one of three different ways that I have here listed to give. And the, the possibilities are endless. There's a lot of practical things that missionaries need. We have a clothing center at CMML. And while there's a never-ending supply of older ladies' clothes, we really don't have much <laughs> in the way of like young men and children. So we know who likes to shop, and that's why we have a lot of those clothes. Uh, but, you know, think about how you can give practically. I know I wear my clothes till they wear out, and so, it, but thinking, what if we budgeted to give what we'd spend on ourselves also to someone else? There's a lot of ways, you know, kids wear their clothes out in about a year, and they need a new set. And you saw how many kids our missionaries have. I mean, they need clothes. So just an idea. Workers Together has recently restarted with a website, and they have all kinds of projects, from calendars to wordless book bracelets that you can make and send to overseas and to help out with the work there. And something that we found really effective is through Samaritan's Purse, they have this thing called Child Christmas Shoe Boxes. They've opened up really great doors for our missionaries and for the Lord's people to share the gospel with people in a very unique way. Every year we seem to have an article about it in our missions magazine about how God has used that little thing to share the gospel with people. And something that we never think about is, while you may not be called to go to the foreign field yourself, each of us have a job here in America most likely. And a missionary, they go over and they're expected to be all things to all people. They're expected to know how to do their taxes. They're expected to know how to biblically counsel people, to do medical work, to, to, to know how to raise children, to teach the Bible, to do evangelism, everything. And so maybe you have a skill that you can help out with for a while. I know that there have been teachers that take their summer and go over to South America where it's not summer and homeschool the children during that time or spend a few months in Burundi and teach at the Discovery School there. Or if they're going to medical school or they're nurses, they'll go to the Accept Hospital, the HIV Hospital in India, or go help out in, in Africa for a while and just use their professional skills. One of our favorite guys is a guy in Pennsylvania who's an auditor, who's a, like a tax guy who's, who works with accounting, and he helps our missionaries with their taxes. There's a lot you can do. Maybe you're an architect. You can help with building projects. Maybe you're good at technology. A lot of these missionaries have no clue how to use a computer. And they have all these needs as far as updating their systems and for computer things. And they could use your help. A lot of people have websites that if you've looked at them, they need some help. And maybe you're good at that. Contact these guys and ask them if they, they'll take your help. Trust me. They'll, they'll, they'll receive it. And if they don't, there's someone else that will. Think about it. Pray about it. There's a lot you can do. Even within the states, there's a lot of works going on that you can join in and help with, with your professional training. That, the Lord has given us these talents just for that, to be used for his service, not just to get a paycheck every month. So I encourage you, think about ways you can do that. Even young guys, you guys are really good on, on computer stuff. I mean, help out people. 
just, do, you know, there's a lot you can do. And I could give you much more ideas, but think about that for yourself and see what, and then there's go. We don't have much time left, so we'll talk quickly about go. But like Micah said, many people have heard the Lord's call to another country by just visiting. And others like me have been confirmed in their call to the United States from visiting other countries. And yes, there are great needs over there, but the Lord kept burdening my heart for here. And so either way, going on a short-term trip to visit a missionary is a very useful tool. And especially if you're friends with those people, if you've been communicating, like we talked about earlier, you'll want to encourage them in person. If you're an elder, we recommend you go every five to ten years to visit these missionaries to make sure they're encouraged in their work and that you know what they're doing and how you can help them as an assembly. And young guys and girls, go on a short-term trip. Open your mind to what God is doing around the world. You'll see needs that you never thought existed. And yeah, you see those commercials for World Vision on TV, but they don't speak half of what's going on in some of these places. And you'll be challenged in what you believe. You'll be challenged in what you do and how you live your life. I challenge you to go on a short-term trip. Our sister organization, Canada, MSC Canada, uh, they have English-speaking trips you can go on. If you don't know the language, you can go to Ghana, to Ireland. They're trying to work on one in Jamaica. So if you just have no ability in other languages, try going to those countries and seeing what you can do. We have lists upon lists on our website of missionaries who have posted, we need help in these areas. Maybe you are skilled in some of those areas and you can help out or create your own little personal mission trip visiting a missionary. And South America is so close. If you know Spanish, just hop across the border into Mexico and see what you can do. Or just go down the street to parts of L.A. where there's great needs of people to hear the gospel. The mission field is also coming to us here on this doorstep. And that brings me to uh, another point. Hello. Uh-oh. I skipped ahead. Anyways. The, the last one is to care for the home front, but first I, I did forget about this. I just want to show you pictures of some of our missionaries. They're from all different ages and they've all gone at different ages in their life. Some of these guys left straight out of high school and went to the mission field. Some got training, professional training like Lena Berklin and, and Chris Giese and they're teaching and they're using their medical skills abroad. Others are young couples that just recently have been married the Marcy's are in Japan, and the Pasquale's are in Italy. And then there's people that are bringing their kids abroad. So if you have a family, don't think that God can't call you. These, the Louis brands are the only missionaries we have in Serbia. They're working all by themselves. And they have, they have another kid after that. They had another kid recently. They have five. And they're serving the Lord in Serbia. The Ramirez are in Colombia. And these guys, this is really interesting, they worked their secular jobs, and they retired. And then they went on the mission field. Tim and Yoli Stafford are in, in South Korea, and they look like they're on some kind of vacation, but that's just home, and they're happy to be there. And Paul Meehan, he's in Hungary doing great literature work and work with children. And, and Henry Dick is, he's in Zambia, and they're just doing great works. And these guys have dedicated their entire lives to serving on the mission field. They may look old, but they went in the 40s and 50s to the mission field, and they were about the age of the front row here. And they served the Lord their entire lives. Marjorie Lipsy. She was married. She had a whole family. They all served in Brazil, and now her daughter's working in Brazil. 
David and Grace Crowdis are still crossing the Zambezi River in Africa, sharing the gospel with all kinds of people over there. And they're over there, they're over 80. And Rose Brooks has been in the Philippines. Before that, she was in Pakistan. God is doing great works. And this last slide, to me, is special. These people had a lot of excuses of why they didn't go. Herma Bode's husband died in Senegal while she was there, and she stayed. Monica Sernatinger, her husband died while they were in Mexico. She stayed with her son. Sid and Karen Howell's band. Sid contracted spinal meningitis six months after they went to Botswana. He had to be airlifted back to Canada to be uh, treated or he could have died. They decided to go back after he got better. And now he's losing the ability to walk and he's still going back to South Africa to serve the Lord. He feels called to the African people. He'll be, I think, through this area soon. Uh, pray for them. They have struggles. His wife has celiac. It's difficult to find gluten-free food in Africa, but they're going back. No excuses, just obedience. God has called them there, and they're staying. Where has God called you? Maybe he's called you to the home front. Statistics say that most people won't leave where they're born because God's called them there. That's why they were born there. And so maybe God has called you here. There's a lot of work to do here. I know in this area, there's the mission field right at your doorstep. And, and beyond that, missionaries need healthy home assemblies. I, I know many people who have had just terrible experiences with commendation, and it's so much harder to serve the Lord abroad when no one back home is supporting them. So maybe God has called you to work in your local assembly and keep it healthy here. That's a very valid and valiant work. It's hard here too. So if you're called here, serve the Lord here with all your heart, just as if you were on the foreign field. You are a missionary where you are. You are a servant of the Lord. And God will use you in mighty ways as you pray for people, as you care for them, as you give. Whatever God has called you to do, as you do the work of an evangelist here or abroad, there's a job for each of you and me to do. And God will be glorified as you do it. Pray for people. Don't forget to communicate with them. Even in this area, what was so amazing about yesterday's conference was people from all over Southern California gathered in this building. Don't lose the vision to keep in contact with them. There's so much more you can do with numbers than you can by yourself. Keep in communication. Keep those doors open of sharing with each other. Be sure to give however you're called to give, whether it's finances, whether it's stuff, whether it's skills. Give of your best to the master, the hymn would say. Give of the strength of your youth. It's You only live one life for the Lord. What are you going to do? Go where God has called you to go. In the video yesterday on Peru, Micah said something. If God has called you to Peru, you have to go. If God has called you to North America, you have to stay. If God has called you to anywhere in the world, you've got to go there. No excuses. You have to go where God calls you, wherever that may be. God called Peter to minister to the Jews. God called Paul to minister to the Gentiles. He had to go. His heart may have been for Jerusalem to be saved, and it was, but he had to go to the Gentiles. He had to go to our people and share the gospel so that we could sit here today and do the same to others. You have to go, and you must be caring wherever you go. Be 
building up the body of believers, whether it be in Southern California or New Jersey or Zambia or the DR Congo or, or Spain or North Korea, there's people there that we must serve and do it well. You see, God is working all over the world, whether it be in Africa, in Europe, in South America, or in the Middle East or in Asia. God is working, and he can use you to help in that work. Be part of what God is doing today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are humbled that you would use us. We don't deserve to be used, but you are calling people from every tribe and nation and tongue to turn to Christ from their sins and to glorify him with their lives. Lord, you have called us to do the same thing. God, help us. Help us to put aside whatever we want and to take up our cross and to follow you, to deny ourselves. For whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life will gain it. And Lord, I look out in this audience and I see many people who have spent their entire lives serving you and are now home, but yet there's still a work for them to do here. We thank you that they're doing it. And I see a lot of young people, young families, middle-aged couples, every group is here, and we're so encouraged to see such a diverse assembly here, Father. May you guide each and every one of them to serve you as you have called them. And may they be open and willing to hear your call. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are still building your church and using weak vessels like us to do so. Help us, for your name's sake, to bring you glory in whatever you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.